Welcome to Dare a New Belief, a place to discover what is possible for your life after the loss of a loved one, and where you will find inspiration, insight, support, and love, and hopefully a bit of laughter to help you through the day. Now here's your host, Nada Hogan. Welcome to Dare a New Belief, a place where you will find light and life, love and joy, healing, faith, and hope, a place where you get to believe what is possible for your life. And on today's episode, we have part three with Lisa Luckett. And Lisa is an entrepreneur, a speaker, author, and mother of three young adults. As a 9-11 widow, single mother, and breast cancer survivor, she knows the value of life's struggles and sees the light or silver lining in every situation. Lisa recognizes that life's lessons and grace lie within the struggle. Lisa and I have had a long, fabulous conversation, and we wrap up this part three discussing self-love, the pivotal generation, and the emotional spin that started from the centrifugal force from the buildings falling on 9-11. Oh, and there is so much more than that. Lisa, I'm so grateful to have you back with us, and let's pick up where we left off. I just talked to a friend of mine today whose son is the top of the top of the top, and he's afraid that he's not going to get into any of his five schools of choice, and he's not even reaching for the top level. Oh. If that's happening, we're in, like, we've really overserved this topic. Oh, man. We need to find lots of other lanes of intelligence to celebrate, not yeah. just the age you get in the college, you know, that can be bragged on at the cocktail party. That's got to go. Right. Absolutely. I mean, you, you were saying you don't have that as much of that where you are, but I really have it here. It's, yeah. it's this man. We may be the last area to break in that way. You know, that, that old norm. So the Northeast is so stuck in its ways because it's been, you know, people have done it this way forever and no one ever leaves. Yeah. So if you're still here, you're doing it the same way your parents did. you could be living in the same house your grandparents lived in. I know lots of people who are doing that. Oh, really? Yes. generational wealth generational money generational it's not even wealth it's just living in the same town they don't have to be big houses they're just people never leave yeah because it's scary to leave why would i leave it's what i know this is where my family is right now my family went all over the country so we've never lived in the same place yeah the generations my generation and my parents before that so you know, that's why, you know, people that got to Minnesota, people that get to California, like that's so the Northeast is really, we're really the last holdout for holding on to the old ways of thinking. So we're the last ones to make the turn, but we will. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's it. When we hold that, because there's times that you talk to other people, it's like, oh, it's never going to change. It's never going to change. Like, well, if we keep feeding that it's never going to change, I think then we're correct. It isn't going to change. But if we keep holding that vision that, yeah, things can shift and change because things have already shifted and changed for you. And if it did for you, then it can for other people too. Right. Right. I mean, that's right. all it takes is that one person, I believe it takes one person that really starts doing it differently. And other people, I believe other people take notice of that right. and start wondering, why are you happy? Why are you going through life differently than how I'm going through life? Why are you not struggling anymore. And when you start noticing that, 
from other people, I think it starts giving permission to ourselves to start doing something differently too. Because if you're living a life that looks really good, authentically good, not because you're doing what the Joneses and Smiths and everybody else is doing, then why can't I do that? And I get to see that modeled in you. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I know. And it is, we have to role model it. And we as parents, you know, if, if you can catch the wave that we're on right now, just to keep up with, you know, in sync with your kids, because they're in a different world and we can't have given them the opportunity to question authority, something I was never allowed to do. Right. I was never allowed to question authority. No. It was an adult world that I was living, you know, allowed to participate in. Now it's a child's world and the adults, as, as Teddy said to me when my daughter, Jen, who's now 25, was about two and a half. She was born in the early 90s. He said to me one day, oh my gosh, we're just working at the castle for the princess. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right? And that's where, yeah, I mean, that 30-year swing between my childhood and her childhood yeah. is really confusing. Right. So we can't, we can't <laughs> turn around and have, having raised in this new way, because we recognize as parents that we didn't get what we needed. Yeah. We weren't seen and heard enough. We were put into the, you know, the structure for sure. A lot of overstructure in the ways of discipline when children are not, could be gently guided. We were not necessarily gently guided Yeah. and, you know, over served on that. So the insecurities and the self-esteem issues we tried to undo by over serving our children. Right. Yeah. But we didn't really do that because the nature of humanity is to feel insecure as a child. Yeah. Because you can't yeah. articulate what you need. Right. So you know, we then decide our children know more than we do. So now our children are running the show. Well, we can't now that they're in their early twenties decide that they're wrong and start passing judgment and criticizing them because they're not doing it our way. Yeah. You can't pull the rug out from under them. We started this thing in motion. We have to see it through. Right. Nobody knows how to parent young adults at this time. Not here. Cause kids, people are now living with their parents until their mid twenties because of yeah. money. Yeah. Yeah. And because yeah. parents and kids like each other. My kids really like me. I couldn't get far enough away from my kids, my parents fast enough. Yeah. Nor could my brother who went to the opposite coast. Yeah. Yeah. Our parents were like, my father's like, if you don't go to college, you start paying rent. There's a door. Don't let it hit you on the way out. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm and, done parenting. Yeah. And I love that where, because it's the same thing with my son. Now, so Dara was 18, but we liked one another. We absolutely liked one another. Um, you know, if I was her mother and there was still discipline that happened as far as like, you know, so the rules are you need to be home at a certain time and blah, 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 all of that stuff. And of course now I don't know what it would be like with her being 30, but with Tommy, it's so wonderful because I just love being in his energy and we have these great conversations. I mean, we have conversations like you and I have, of course, on differently because, you know, he just shows up differently, but, but it's questioning, like, how does this all work? And, you know, tell me about energy and frequencies and how we align ourselves with the things that we want to bring into our life and, and just life itself, right. that how can I show up for life? So I really do get to live my life full on, fully expanded fully embracing and knowing that those struggles or challenges that come are opportunities for my own growth. How do I get to do that? And it's so great to be in that energy with him. I just love that. And I have to share with you this, another synchronicity, because I just think it's so awesome. So what you were sharing about Teddy, when he was talking about your daughter being two years old, about um, you guys are just working for the princess in her castle. 
Hmm. When, so this would have been like March of 2008 and Dara's accident was in June and we were at some store. I don't know why Dennis was with me. He hates shopping. I hate shopping, but I was like shopping for things that I never shopped for. And there was this little plaque that had said something about the princess in the house, but the dad will always, I don't know, but will always treat her like the queen or some, some kind of thing. I can't remember what it was, but, and I wanted to buy it and give it to Dara, although, you know, it was kind of a, it was a, like a backhanded compliment, but really calling her a princess. And I wanted to get it. And I thought, oh, I don't know, that might just be a little bit, a little bit too much, you know, of a push. And so I never did get it and give it to her, but I have thought about that plaque so often. Mm, And then you just said that with Teddy and it's just like, oh my God, I just love that. I just love that. So like mine didn't, my dad didn't treat us like me, like a princess. Did no, I mean, t- you like a, no, but I'm just saying, look at the difference in the generations. Oh yeah. No, no. And I know, I remember hearing loud and clear kids are, t- and I love my yes. dad. I really did have a great yeah. relationship with my parents, but yeah, kids are to be seen and not heard. And yes. I knew that very well. They made so, that very clear. Yes, oh yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the, you know, that's part of, you know, even having these conversations, it's about backing up and seeing your life in a different perspective and taking mm-hmm. time to be still, or at least to be quiet, to not only look right and left to make sure you're smelling the roses and the coffee. Yeah. And you're not charging forward to, because that's one of the big questions is, where are we going? Yeah. Why are we pushing fast so far, so hard? Why are our kids in these intense lanes for education? Do they really get jobs out of college? Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, they get jobs like anybody else, but is that the colleges don't help them. Right. Get they're saddled with hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of debt now. Yeah. Because we're the, we as a society have to recognize that a lot people are for the most part, and I'm guilty of it too. We're followers, man. We follow social trends. Everybody had to play soccer. Yeah. And not only did they had to play soccer, they had to play travel soccer over back here. You know, like everybody was going to go to college on a soccer scholarship. Oh. Well, what is travel soccer really? Travel soccer puts your kids, your family in the car every day after school, all weekends for tournaments, many, many months a year. Is that really family time? Yeah, right. No, that's super serving an exercise that is actually, here's my favorite term, hogging your time. Yeah. Remember being a hog when you were a kid? Yeah, yeah. You're hogging it. You're hogging the ball. Sports and the way we're perceiving this, in my opinion, is very hoggish. Yeah. Because if you're committed to lacrosse, to soccer, at least back here, to baseball, to football, they are all consuming. Yeah. Hockey, to volleyball, to all of it. It's a hundred percent. They're they're doing it literally all swimming. And the bottom line is this if you're playing a sport as a kid, nowadays everybody gets into one. You've done the and you you go from you know seventh grade through high school or even fifth grade, you've done the same year ten times. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There's no new information. Yeah. And are yeah. you all really getting that good? Is everybody really going to go to college on it? And then you go to college on it, the ones who do make it and you get there and you know what? You're burned out. Yeah. And the coach owns you. Right. So if you go as a college, you know, just in the, in this whole college athletic you know, conversation, which I spend a lot of time here because that's very much where the mindset is of the parent community. The question is what happened to art? Yeah. What happened yeah. to music? Right. What happened to sitting in the grass picking four leaf clover, trying to find four leaf clovers all day? What right. happened to the quiet time? We've scheduled ourselves silly. Oh. And then we wonder why we're full of anxiety. Right. 
So until we back up and we see more now, like the bigger picture, 10,000 feet, if you pull up to 10,000 feet, so that, that analogy meaning you're looking down without emotion at what's being played out, it looks pretty silly. Yeah. Yeah. And pretty one-sided. Right. So we, that's, so the term I would use is we're kind of like lemmings. We're kind of following each other off the cliff. Yeah. And so it, it takes swimming against the tide, which is not necessarily going to be a popular thing, but that's where intuition comes in. Absolutely. That's where following guidance comes in. Yeah. That's where when you and I, with people like you and I, who have had these extraordinary, you know, life altering traumas, things get very, very simple. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And it's so funny because as you're speaking, as you're speaking of all of this running around and going to soccer and going to lacrosse and going to going, 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 it's the best way to avoid ever having to be still. I can't be still. How could I ever be still? Look at all the stuff that I have to do. And it's the most important thing just to be able to be. Well, and you know, and so then that leads into one of my personal, I shouldn't say favor because it's not a good thing but my personal explanations of why. Yeah. Why are we doing this? Yeah, yeah. Well, it was coming in the 90s. It's been picking up speed. Then 2001, 9-11 happened. And it's like literally the centrifugal force of those buildings falling, the emotional spin that started, that created this whipping, this spin, right? That spin that felt like everything was being pushed out. And, you know, you and I have talked about my theory that wherever people were broken, they broke further. Right. So if whatever dysfunction you had, it got a lot worse. And I lived it in my families, both sides and myself. So I know from my very personal experience, this to be true. I also saw it in my community. I saw it in my culture. I saw it in my region. And then I saw we saw it in the world. No big surprise that we would have the financial collapse in 2008. Right. Because all of a sudden everybody needed a house. And everybody should have, be able to have a house. So as a waitress, a part-time waitress in Phoenix could get an $800,000 mortgage for a house. Mm, God, yeah, crazy. That's irresponsible oh. on all parties' Absolutely. parts. Absolutely. She should not have taken it. They should not have given it to her. Yeah. We are all culpable in this problem. Again, right. taking responsibility for our part of it. Yeah. So, you know, there's the point of 9-11 is when those buildings were hit, people took off. They started running in the opposite direction. And we have not stopped running since. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what all this is distract, distract, distract. Right. Do anything I can to, to feel, do anything I can to not think. I'm going to follow the Joneses because they must know better than me. So, because anyone outside of myself must know more than I know because I don't trust myself at all. Yeah. Right. And it's so sad. That is just the saddest thing because nobody knows better than each individual person. Right. And when we can get in touch with that and be able to really know that and touch that power that connects us to infinite intelligence and know those answers are always inside of us. They've always been inside of us and maybe they've been covered up, but they're there and you can get to them. There might take some work, but you can absolutely get to them and start living your life so completely differently and free living your life. In a, in well, and you have, but you have to quiet, right? You tan absolutely. But yes, you have to quiet yourself long enough oh. to actually be able to hear it, to actually be aware of it, to even yeah. feel it. And to even know what you want. That's one of the things that I run into so often. There's so many people I talk to and, and if I say, you know, what, what is it that you want in your life? And they're just like, what? Like a deer in the headlights. I, I, uh, <laughs> I mean, truly that's right. how I don't even know what I want. It's like going to the store, to a furniture store and not even knowing what size your house is 
or how many room do you even have a bedroom? Do I have to have a height of bed because I don't even have room to put a bed in? I don't even know what I should be shopping for. And we just stand there and spin because we don't even know what it is we're supposed to be getting. And it's our own lives that are at stake here yeah. and not even realizing that we're shutting down our own life, our own life force by keeping so busy, so distracted, so out of us that we never have to sit down and really get to know us and love and forgive our faults, our mistakes, the things that we really screwed up on and love and embrace everything that we perceive as in air quotes, bad and love and embrace everything that we just truly go, God, I just love that about me. I love that I X, Y, and Z, whatever that happens to be, because I think we've been taught to not blow our own horn too. Yes. Like we do something good. Yes. And then God forbid, if somebody would support you in that, it's like, oh my God, you're just bragging. It's like, no, it, it's saying I did something really great with this beautiful gift of life that I have. And I want you to celebrate that with me. I mean, all of right. that seems like it could, that's just all been blown out of the water and, and out of proportion when somebody says something, you know, oh, I just did this. And it's like, well, who in the hell are you? I don't know. I'm a child well, of God. Well, that's, that's, that's the, that's <laughs> yeah, we are. Yeah. We are, but we, you know, the ego is, is what trips us up. Yeah. And we, you know, the, the idea that came to me in the 9-11 analogy is, you know, to answer that question, why were we so emotionally unprepared to handle that day yeah. and these events and what followed is the fact that we don't have any emotional training in our culture. Right. Yeah. We're just beginning to do that now. Yeah. And part of it is to say, okay, so when you we're saying like, what do you want? You're like, you know what I want? I just want some peace. Yeah. You know, I want to be comfortable. I want to have, you know, food on my table. I want my kids to be content in their lives. I, I want to feel good. I want to be able to walk on my both feet and like just basics. I just want, yeah. I just want harmony and balance. Yeah. And that means saying no to things. Right. You know, if you're too busy, you need to say no. Yeah. And feeling okay about it. And be, yes, giving yourself permission yes. to do what it is you need to do. Yes. Especially for women. Yeah. yeah. More men now too. More men in the newer, the younger generations, men are, are in the same conundrum. You know, we're all trying to please. And in most cases of people 50 and over, in my opinion, you know, that voice, we're constantly fighting that negative voice. We're constantly fighting that little devil angel on our shoulders. And, you know, in my case, it comes in the form of my mother and my grandmother telling me that I'm selfish. Mm. Yeah. Telling me, and basically that I'm not good enough. Right. You're never good enough. You're never good enough. And it's that, and most, many, 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 many of us have that internal message of not being good enough. Yeah. Yeah. It's, an, it's part of the human conundrum. And then it's reinforced by our family experiences or our school community experiences. Right. You know, if you've been bullied. If you've been, which at some point everyone has been bullied to, unless you are actually the bully, but often it's the bully who's been bullied, right? We know that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, and then, you know, in my case, my father was a, was an enraged, enraged man from early loss of his parents, but he had no emotional training with which to grieve. And then he had compounded problems because his family then turned their back on him that my dad and my mom and his mother died and orphaned his then 11 year old sister. So she was 14 years younger than my father, only 11 years older, older than me. And they came, she came to live with us in the same week I was born. Wow. So my father was enraged because you know, what's behind anger? Pain is always behind anger. Always. Yeah. 
And it can be pain in the sense of, I'm not good enough. That guy who just walked into the bar, I hate him because I think he's better than I am. So I'm going to go beat on him. Right. Yeah. You know, it's always outrage. I mean, anger is always fueled by fear and by pain. Yeah. Always. Absolutely. So it's an outcome or an outcropping. Yeah. You know, and until we, you know, they break down our own anger, what are we mad about? Right. You know, but that takes in. So one of the points you and I have talked about often is introspection. Right. Self-awareness. Yeah. Stop looking outside of ourselves for validation. How can anyone know what you need, but you? Absolutely. How can anyone know what you've been through, but you? Yeah. You know, and if you reframe it as happening for you and you're not going into it as a victim and what you get from act when you shift that preposition to from two to four, when you say, you know, why is this happening to me becomes why is this happening for me? What happens is you stop being a victim and you begin to be the student observer of your life. Yeah. And it separates, it negates and, and quiets and neutralizes the emotion around it. It causes you to take a pause before you react. Absolutely. In the reaction where the anxiety is. Right. Because that's that teetering on the edge of the abyss when 9-11 happened, which is where 99.999% of the people, maybe except me, was standing. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's all about introspection and how we can learn to actually control the thoughts in our minds because thoughts are just thoughts. They don't really mean anything. We assign meaning to them. Right. Absolutely. So to just let go and understand that whatever train of thought you're following, that will be your experience. Yeah. If you're going to think you're a victim and everything's negative, you are going to experience a victimized negative life. Right. If you turn around and say, I'm a student of my life, what am I going to be shown today? What can I lean into? You're going to be awakened more every day. Right. And there's so much power in that. It feels so good to know. And I don't know if I know I didn't know, not until Dara's accident, that we have that ability all the time to shift what we are thinking, the meaning that we're giving to whatever thought, whatever incident, whatever ever it is. We get to decide how it is that I get to see this event. What is my thought? What is the meaning that I'm going to give this event? And we can shift and change everything in our life. It's a game changer when you know that, that you are the controller of your thoughts. People will say that often. I know you've heard this. Oh my God, I just can't even control your thoughts. Well, yes, you can. You can control your thoughts because if you're not controlling them, who's controlling them? Right. Either you're at the wheel or you're not at the wheel. So, right. right. I mean, it's, but you're still the vehicle. You're still the car. It doesn't matter. I think it's easier to say, I can't control my thoughts or my feelings I can say that now because of where I'm at. Before I would have said that's BS and that's not true. But knowing where I'm at, where I have been and what I have evolved into, absolutely 100% you can control your thoughts and you can control your feelings. We still have circumstances and we still have events that are going to happen in our lives and we can control how I'm going to look at that, how I'm going to perceive it, how I'm going to think about this thing and the meaning that I will assign to that thing that just happened to me. And instead of reacting to it, I'm going to choose to respond to that thing from a place of my own personal empowerment because I can have a circumstance, but that circumstance doesn't have to have me. That's right. That's right. And, and to the listeners, I, I just will always say, as you've met, said that very well, and I'm going to give the other side of it, which is this, it's still really hard to do sometimes. Yes. 
And I, you know, just recently got pulled off into an ugly place that I thought I was past and it resurfaced. And this is real. This is what life is. Things are going to resurface. And we are these, you know, kind of broken creatures, um, depending on how our life has been. And, you know, we have to give our, that's the forgiveness aspect and the non-judgment and the non-criticism. That's what we're, the language going forward is to don't be critical, don't judge, and forgive yourself and just get up and try again. Instead of telling yourself how bad you are and slipping off into that spinning spiral of negative thinking when something, you know, when you haven't been able to do, you know, you're thinking about that thing that bugs you all day today. Well, okay, I'm going to give myself today and I'm and then by the tomorrow I'll think about something else. Because you know what, it's really hard. I, I talk about it all the time and then I'm constantly having life experiences that reminds me how hard it is, what we're talking about, how difficult it can be. Yeah. So I have great compassion. And all I ask is that people try and at least accept it and then help and accept it in others. So whatever we're doing, we all are so quick to forgive or like be compassionate toward other people, be compassionate toward yourself. Yes. Because it's got to, it's a two way street, you know, that negative, it's, it's gotta be, we just have to be more gentle, honestly and more forgiving overall. Um, and I wish there were another, one of the terms forgiveness is one I've, I've struggled with personally and in my situation, because to forgive the people in my life meant that they got away with it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And because they didn't take any responsibility for it. Yeah. And, and that's another conversation for another time is taking responsibility and ownership. Cause that's a huge piece of this whole puzzle. But, um, what I had to recognize for myself is I could forgive when I recognized that I was causing my own suffering. Right. And, you know, I forget how the adage goes, but it's something like, you know, um, resentment is like drinking acid and expecting the other person to die. Right. 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 Or hate or whatever, you know, negative word. And, and that's actually the truth. And it wasn't until I really could embrace that it was my, I was causing my own suffering. And I really, really, really wanted to be free. Yeah. I was so ready to be done, but I couldn't somehow get my head around how to do that. And the forgiveness thing just was not available to me for whatever reason. Yeah. But I could do it through the idea that I was causing my own suffering, which is actually something internal. Right. Yeah. You know, and again, go deep, go inside. It's about us. And the better we are, because self-love starts from within and actually pours out of us. Yes. We think the love we're getting comes from outside and bring is brought in. It's not. Yeah. We can resonate, you and I resonate because we've arrived at the same level of self-love. So it feels very easy here. Yeah. You know, I love you because you love you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And all of that, the compassion and, and how I look at it, absolutely compassion, forgiveness, that love has to start, has to start with you. It has to start with you. Otherwise, we are, we're always looking for it from the outside. It's the whole thing. It's so interesting to me that I don't know if we're ever going to end this conversation. (laughs) I know. We can take a break and come back to it another day, but that's, that's, yeah, it could keep going forever. I know, but this piece, this just dawned, I mean, I had heard this before, and you know how sometimes you hear things, you hear things, but it doesn't land on you, and then one day it finally lands on you. It's how we are all one inside of this great, big, huge, beautiful container of this universe, which doesn't make sense because it's infinite. There's no boundary to it, but this beautiful universe that we live in and how, and I'm going to say there's a container just, just so I can conceptualize this idea and how we individually our own universe. So it's like, 
but we're connected. And it, it's that whole thing. God, what water is such a beautiful descriptor of this because we all are drops of water from the ocean. If we used it, that as the metaphor that even though it's, it's just a drop of water, it's still the ocean. It's still right. right? It's still the ocean. And even if I took it away from the ocean, if I did the testing to see what kind of chemicals or molecules are in this drop of water that came from the ocean or the ocean itself, it's exactly the same. It's just not in the ocean, but it is of the ocean. And I always think of ourselves as this miniature universe, the universe in miniature in us. If I can't, I don't know if I'm going to be able to bring the words to this of the feeling that I had. If I can love and forgive myself for anything that I had ever done to another person, whether it was conscious or unconscious, to hurt them or harm them or call them a name or glare at them driving down the road, whatever, because I think that is so painful. I know that doesn't make any sense, but if somebody gives me a dirty look driving down the road, that is so painful to me because it leaves me sitting like, oh my God, what did I do? Like, there's no closure on this. I don't even know what I did because I don't think I cut you off. I think I have my blinker on, all of that crap. But if we can find that place to forgive and love and be compassionate inside of our own little universe and know that it feels so good when I get to see that that mistake that I made, because we're all going to make mistakes and screw up, but that mistake that I made came from a place of fear or a, a place of pain or a place of wherever, then I can see that and understand that and identify that in another person. And when that person lashes out at me, I can see the pain in them without them even having to say, oh my God, I only did this because I'm in pain from, or I'm in fear of, or whatever that happens to be. Right. Yeah. I don't know if that made sense. No, I I think I, I, yeah, I agree. I think there's one of the ways I, I think about that as well is that, you know, we can never know what someone just experienced five minutes before we've met them or seen them. Yeah. We can never know what they're carrying. Yeah. And one of the things about 9-11 is because people know my story, I always get the best of them. And I always get that moment of meaning. I always get that moment of pause or extra consideration because they know my story. So they cut me some slack. They don't judge me right away. Yeah. And I, my, my, one of my calls to action has always been, what if we all treated each other like everybody had suffered a 9-11 loss? Absolutely. In other words, assume that someone is hurting, yeah. especially when they're acting out yep. in some negative way. Yeah. And I guarantee, I would guarantee nine out of 10 times that's true. Absolutely. Yeah. So people, people are and we're really burdened with a lot now. And the fear it has been is just really reaching epidemic proportions. And it's a matter of, we're kind of reaching critical mass. I don't know what that looks like ultimately, but I know we, um, we just have to counter it with as much calm, non-reactive, letting go, surrender as we can. Because there's really nothing we can do to change anyone else. That's for sure. We can barely do it for ourselves. Right. You know, we really just need to mind our own, in my opinion, we really just need to mind our own business and be the best people we can be. Yeah, absolutely. Because we have enough to take care of in our own backyard without having to look over at their backyard and judge them for what they're doing and how they're showing up in life. Absolutely. Right. And it makes us kinder anyway. So. Yep. It does. It really does. 
Lisa, I'm telling you, this is going to be one of the most abrupt endings, but I know because I want to launch into another question and, and <laughs> we will be okay. here all day. <laughs> So I'm going to bring this into a landing and if you would be so willing, because there's so much, I, I find you just fascinating. I find your story fascinating, your views, how you see life and how you see all of just your views of life. I love it. I just love it. And I know you have another book coming up, another two books actually coming up. Um, and there's so many more things that I want to talk to you about. Would you be willing to come back at another date? To I would love to. Oh, I would absolutely love to. Awesome. Ongoing. Uh, yeah. I <laughs> I think it's every month or every week or <laughs> yeah. whatever. See if listeners could stand us. But yes, that would be great. I would love that. Yeah. Awesome. Great. I think there's just really wonderful stuff that we need to delve into here. And in the meantime of our next um, conversation, how do people get in touch with you or how do they find you? We didn't even look at all the things we didn't talk about. We didn't talk about your book. We didn't talk about your enlightened living. Cozima. Cozy. I'm never going to say it right. Now it sounds like Noxima. Cozy, right. Where coziness meets glamour. So that's why you get the long O. We'll talk a lot. Why don't we make a date to talk about those next? Okay. Because this is great. And if your listeners will be patient with us, um, we hopefully will bring it all together and, um, and just keep this wave of love going because that's really what this is. This is a movement. And that's my whole mission post 9-11, post that spiritual download, post all of that has been to do my small part to help make the world a better place. And I know there's a lot of us out there right now through many, many ways, many, many avenues across the world globally. It's a random, literally a random smattering of people that are awake and we all have this message. And it's going to take all the many thousands of voices that know what we know, sharing with thousands and millions of others to help them awaken. Because we are in this wave, this movement, this enlightenment that is absolutely here. And I don't want people to ever lose hope that we have a brilliant future. Absolutely positive, brilliant future. We just have to kind of slow down and reassess what our motivations are and what's driving us and what our beliefs are and if they are still serving us and stay away from toxicity. Try to know what your triggers are and avoid having them hit. There's a lot to talk about, but the bottom line is there is a, a beautiful movement, very present and happening now and it's permeating the culture and it's really in you know, with the kids and the younger adults. So I have just, that'll be book three. We'll talk about that then. It's going to be great. I have um, complete faith. Yeah, I do too. I do too. And I love that. And I love that you and I are completely 100% on the same board with that because I think we have the brightest future ever and full of enlightenment for well anybody who, who wants to jump on board and begin to start waking up to what is available to them and how they can live a life completely differently and, and uh, just change change. It's sure a whole lot more fun than talking about the government. Oh, good much. Lord. Yes. Or the soccer game or the football game. Oh, oh yes. I love my kids, but I don't want to talk about my kids right now. Yeah. I really want to talk about this. Right. So, right. They're great. I'll always talk about them, but honestly, there's so much going on. Oh man. Thank you so much, Nada. This has been excellent as always. Oh, well, superb. I have to tell you, I just, yeah, I am. I'm so grateful. I'm honored for you to be here with me and we will be back. And of course, I will let the listeners know when you are coming back again. And in the meantime, 
I'm going to thank you, Lisa. Thank you for being here, but you're coming back. So it's almost like you're not even really leaving. I feel like we're roommates now. And I'm just right. going to- Until next time. How about <laughs> right. that? Absolutely. Until- <laughs> So long for now. <laughs> so long for now. And to all of the listeners, have a wonderful week. And we will be back continuing this conversation with Lisa Luckett. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Bye-bye. Thank you for spending time with us today. Please go to nadahogan.com for show notes and other information that you can use right away. If you like what you've heard here, please subscribe to the podcast. And don't forget to rate and review right there on iTunes, Stitcher, or however you get your podcasts. And don't forget to tell your friends about it. We'll see you next week.